1 Kings chapter 3, and um, we're going to read a story that I don't know if I have ever preached from this story or not. I don't recall uh, preaching from this story, but I do feel some things tonight to bring to your attention in this service. 1 Kings chapter 3, and beginning with verse number 16. Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the woman, the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house. And I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. This woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me, while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, While thine handmaid slept, I'm sorry, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the woman said, the other woman said, nay, but the living is my son and the dead is thy son. And this said, no, but the dead is thy son and the living is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Then said the king, the one saith, this is my son that lives, and thy son is dead. And the other one saith, nay, but thy son is dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two, and give half to the one, and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. And the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. Praise the Lord. I'd like for the Holy Ghost tonight to have free course in this service tonight in the preaching of the word. And I don't know, I don't know uh, exactly what I'm feeling here tonight in this service. I haven't yet really put a finger on it. But I'd like for the Holy Ghost to just kind of open up a way in this house. I'd like for him to open up a door that his word can go forth in a freedom of the spirit. Amen. We don't need to fight this tonight. We need to let the Holy Ghost begin to operate. We need to let the presence of God rest on us in this house tonight so His Word can touch some hearts in this place. And His Word can make a difference. Do we need the Word of the Lord to make a difference tonight? I want you to lift your voice, church. I want you to pray with me, and I want you to agree with me that there will be no spirit of resistance tonight, but that the Word of God can go forth in the power of the Holy Ghost and with liberty in the name of Jesus. Would you pray? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, our God, we're needing your touch in this house tonight. 
We need the power of your presence in this place. Would you pray, church? Come on, let's reach out. Let's press through in the Holy Ghost for a few moments. Everybody in this place, let's press through in the Spirit just for a few minutes tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I bind every spirit of resistance. I come against every spirit of doubt and unbelief. I stand tonight in the name of Jesus in opposition to every demonic force. Hallelujah. I plead your blood in this place. I pray the power of your spirit would charge this house. Destroy every yoke. Break every band that binds. Give us deliverance in this house. Deliverance in mind. Deliverance in spirit. Deliverance in heart. Deliverance in the preaching of the word. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the name of our God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God, we honor you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. Let the will of the Spirit be done in this place. Oh, God, we need to hear from you. We need your word to go forth. We need your word to go forth in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let your will be done in this house, O God. Let your will be done in this house, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you've not done yet, done it so yet, put your Bible down. And I want you to begin to clap your hands and rejoice in the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody give the Lord some high praise. Bless the name of our God. We worship you, Jesus. And everybody shout amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. King Solomon, after ascending the throne of the people of Israel and beginning to reign, had a prayer meeting and talked to the Lord. And the Lord, in making his many promises that he did to the Lord, the Lord responded in kind. And he made Solomon an offer, and that offer was, ask of me anything that you would desire, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon could have asked for great riches. He could have asked for wealth and fame and fortune. The Lord would have given him the desire of his heart. But Solomon asked not for those things, but he asked for divine wisdom to know how to go in and out among the people of God. And the Lord granted him that wisdom. 
Amen. You know, we could pray for a lot of things, but I guess if we could pray for wisdom, it would help us in all those other things that we might really want and desire to have. Because eventually Solomon was a very wealthy individual. God did bless him with the blessings of the earth of that time. And so he was a man that did grow in great wealth. But he was a man that had a wisdom that comes from the Lord. We read about his writings in the book of Proverbs. We read the Song of Solomon in that same book, uh, named exactly that. And we read in Ecclesiastes many very wise things that he had to say. And so I believe that uh, the things that Solomon had to say that were inspired by God and that were directed by God are things that you and I can learn from as we live for God. And so it is found here in 1 Kings chapter number 3 after the Lord had given him this wisdom and God had answered his prayer that this wisdom was tested. And it was tested when there were two women that came and stood before the king. The one woman said to the king, she said to Solomon, Oh, my Lord, I and this woman, we dwell in the same house. And she said, I was delivered of a child. Three days later, uh, my friend was delivered of a child. And uh, she said uh, that uh, this woman's child died in the night. Because she overlaid it. I know that oftentimes in the preaching, I have heard this text used on different occasions. And many times the focus is placed upon the true mother. And we will probably get to that tonight. But I first want to direct your attention to the lady that is found in verse number 19. This woman's child died in the night Because she overlaid it. Amen. Now, I don't think that any of us today would question the fact that probably one of the greatest treasures and precious things in the life of a woman or a mother is her child. Amen. Don't mess with mama's baby. I am telling you, friend, if you want to get your eyeballs scratched out, fool with a mother's baby. Hallelujah. And it won't be long. She'll be all over you like white on rice. It won't take her long to to respond to the need of her baby. I want to point out tonight that a child, a baby, is a very precious and a very dear thing to a mother. And by right, it should be. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I have great question about uh, the mentality of a woman who cares not 
not for her babies. There's a problem with her brain and a problem with her heart. Amen. But here we find in verse number 19 that this woman's child died in the nighttime. And it died because this mother overlaid this child. I have to tell you tonight that when I read that and I observe this story, I can only come to one conclusion. And that conclusion is that this mother was careless in the handling of that which was precious and dear to her. And that is why that its life was lost. And that is why that her child died. I have to believe that had she taken the proper precautions to make sure that the child was in a safe place and that the child was protected from any kind of harm or danger, then the chance is very, very great that this baby would not have died. But it died because the mother became a careless individual in the handling of that which was precious and dear to her. I bring this message tonight to this pulpit with the burden in my spirit because I pray that you and I will recognize that there are some things that are very dear and precious to the church of the living God that you and I must take the necessary precautions to preserve the life of those things. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't like this spirit that I feel here tonight. I don't like this struggle. It ain't no fun preaching through a brick wall. Amen. And I feel like that there's a spirit tonight that's risen up against this place and against this service. Praise the Lord. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and preach because I'll identify it tonight while I'm preaching. I'm going to identify it tonight while I'm talking to you from this very lesson right here. From this very scripture, I'm going to identify what we're dealing with even in this service. But here is a woman, it appears, it's very evident to me that she did not take the necessary precautions. But that she was careless in the handling of her baby. That had she been more careful, had she been more observant, had she provided a safe place for that child, she would not have overlaid it and suffocated it and taken its life. I want to tell you tonight that the word careless is used many times. People have accidents because they're guilty of careless driving. They were not they did not take the right precautions. They allowed themselves to become distracted by the things that were going on around them. They permitted themselves to have their attention drawn to other things and cause an accident and sometimes even a great loss of life. I am told that 
cell phones are one of the greatest causes of accidents because of the distractions that they cause when people are talking upon the telephone. That's that's documented and it's evident. It's because the individual driving has had their attention distracted and they're not focused upon what they are doing. I pray that you will hear me tonight when I tell you that we are in the very fight for the apostolic movement and the powers of hell would like to destroy those things that are dear to us. But you and I tonight as the church of Jesus cannot permit ourselves to become careless and begin to be distracted by those things going on around us. Oh, let's clap our hands. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to tell you tonight that you can lose your precious walk with the Lord Jesus Christ through carelessness. You can lose your prayer life through carelessness. You can lose your love for God through carelessness. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you tonight, but there's some things that are precious and dear to my heart where God is concerned and where the Word of God is concerned. I'm going to tell you tonight that we can lose our worship and our praise, our spirit of magnifying God through a careless in our devotion to God and our desire to worship. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you now, you can't be too careful in serving God. You can't be too careful with where you go. You can't be too careful with the people you hang around with. You can't be too careful with those that you associate with and spend your discretionary time with. You can't be too careful. We have the writer to the Corinthian church said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. But we have tonight a treasure in this earthen vessel. What is that treasure? That treasure is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. And I don't want to become careless with the Holy Ghost. I don't want to become careless with my relationship with God. I don't want to be careless tonight with my worship and my praise to Him. I don't want to be careless in my lifestyle. Careless in all the things that I've committed myself to Him in. I don't want to be careless in that. Because it's just so easy to roll over and overlay it and suffocate it. Amen. I'm going to tell you what. We can get busy and we can get so distracted that we get careless about this business of serving the Lord. Are you hearing me tonight? 
We can get real careless about this business of trying to live for God and be what God would have us to be. Amen. Here's a woman that her child died because she overlaid it. She didn't take the necessary precautions to preserve the life of that child. I'm telling you tonight, we've got to take some precautions. It may not always be sin, but it's all right to be precautious. It's all right to be very cautious in doing things or not doing things. Sometimes you're better off to say, you know, I'm not sure how that's going to affect my walk with God. So rather than experiencing it, if it's going to do it negatively, then I'll stay away from it. Oh, God, I feel like preaching a little bit here tonight. Amen. Sometimes it may not be a sin, but why does it always have to be a sin to keep us from doing it? Why can't we just say, hey, I'm going to protect this. I'm going to guard this. I don't want to lose my Holy Ghost. I don't want to lose this precious spirit that I feel on the inside of me. What's wrong with being careful? What's wrong with saying, hey, I'm just going to use some analogies here. So just understand what's wrong with going down the road and saying, sorry, I'm not going to talk on the cell phone because I'm going to be careful, not only with my life, but with the lives of everybody else around me. Amen. That I'm that I'm facing that I'm coming in contact with. You see, your caution, your caution uh, sometimes is not just beneficial to your own self, but it's beneficial to other people. It's beneficial to their well-being. It's beneficial to their life. Come on, daddy. Come on. On, mama, sometime if you can take some caution in your own personal life, in your own personal walk with God, it can affect the lives of your children. Sometime we're better off to be overly cautious, to be overly guarded about our walk with God than to open the door and just say, well, this will be all right and that'll be all right and everything will be fine and my children will make it. Somebody say amen. Bible tells us that Jonah went down to Tarsus and he went down to the seashore and he went down to a ship and he paid the fare and he went into the hold of that ship. Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. Now, let me just tell you a little bit right here at this point. We focus some time on Jonah. We focus some time on Jonah. And we talk about Jonah doing all of this, and rightfully so. But what about the shipmaster that was standing there that took the fare and said, All right, come on board, Jonah. Hey, man, you can ride with us because you paid the fare. There's some things that come our way that pay the fare, and we let them on board only to give us great, great grief. The shipmaster let a man on board that was in trouble with God. He let a man on board that wasn't where he needed to be with God. And it wasn't long before they found that boat in a storm about to sink. You never know sometime. It is never, never, never wrong to be cautious about what you let get in your spirit. To be cautious about what you let to get in your soul. Nothing wrong with being too careful about what tries to ride in your boat. Amen. 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 The truth. 
that shipmaster found themselves in a storm. Listen to me. And in that storm, when the boat was rocking and reeling, when everything was in an upheaval, you know what they started doing? They started throwing their supplies overboard. They started throwing the things overboard that they had picked up that they were carrying to the port, the next port. It was things that would sustain them, and it was also things that they would sell and be able to make another trip on what they had profited from. But what they started doing instead, amen, of searching the ship before they started, you know, sometimes we don't realize what's going on in our life. We find ourselves in a storm, and before you know it, we're throwing stuff overboard that we don't need to be throwing overboard. We start throwing prayer overboard. We start throwing our worship overboard. We start throwing our church attendance overboard. We start throwing things that's going to help us make the trip. Hey, friend, that's not the problem. Go find Jonah. I said find Jonah. Find the troublemaker. Find the problem. They finally found Jonah and he was asleep. He was asleep in the storm. And they found him in the hole of the ship and he was asleep. When they found him, woke him up. Said, what's the matter with you? Why don't you get up and call on your God? He said, I don't need to call on my God. I know what the problem is. I'm the problem. And do you know they still did not want to throw him overboard? They still not did not want to get to, to get rid of the very source of their problem. Hallelujah. And the very reason why that he was there is because when he came down to the ship, he paid the fare. How many times have we taken things into our spirit only because it looked like it was legitimate? It looked like it was okay. We didn't stop to concern ourselves. Is this going to cause us a problem? Lord, I feel such. You can't be too cautious about what you're letting ride on your boat. You can't be too cautious about your your walk with God and your relationship with God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this tonight. I may not get to the end of the story. This might be right where that the Holy Ghost wants us to be. This might be the thing that the Holy Ghost wants us to drill into our minds and hearts here tonight. That here's a woman that did not take the necessary precaution to keep her baby alive. If you don't take the precaution necessary to keep your walk with God alive, you're going to find yourself suffocating the very thing that will give you life. And that will bring you joy. Nothing like joy in the eyes of a mother when she's holding her baby. Nothing like joy in the eyes of a saint of God when she's praising her God. When he's magnifying his God. Nothing like nothing like the joy that's in the face of a saint of God that's on fire in the Holy Ghost. That's made their mind up that there's not enough devils in hell that can keep me from serving God. There's not enough devils in hell that can keep me from worshiping the Lord. Not enough devils in hell that can make me backslide. Not enough devils in hell that can keep me out of church. Oh, glory to God. 
I'm trying to tell somebody here tonight that it's important. It's important that you set some boundaries, that you become very cautious when it comes to those things that are dear to your heart and life. This woman lost her baby because she was careless. The shipmaster almost lost his boat because he was careless with who he let ride on his boat. He was careless with what he let get inside the ship. And when you start getting careless about what you let get in your heart. Somebody help me here tonight. When you're careless with your conversations on the telephone and you listen to a bunch of garbage and trash that somebody's talking about somebody else, you're letting some stuff get on board. All because you think it's legitimate based on the individual who's doing the talking. You need to stop them right there and say, hey, I want to tell you something. I don't have room on my boat for that. I don't have room in my ship for that. I don't have room in my life for that. I'm trying to guard something. I'm protecting a walk with God. I am guarding a relationship with God. You're not going to stifle and suffocate. You're not going to kill my love for God. You're not going to kill my love for the church. My God. Hallelujah. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost breaking this thing loose around here tonight. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Come on, somebody shout praise the Lord. Somebody shout praise the Lord. If you're not careful, you'll let garbage start riding in your mind. And before you know it, amen, you you're, you distanced yourself. You've withdrawn yourself. And you don't feel the way you really ought to feel about the pulpit and about the ministry and about the saints of God and the church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, friend, you got to come to a place where you say, hey, there's some things dear to me. And the body of Christ, the church of Christ, is very dear to my spirit. You let bitterness ride. I said, you let bitterness ride. You let anger ride. You let hard feelings ride. It won't be long, long your, your boat will be rocking. It won't be long you'll be overlaying your baby. It won't be long before you'll be suffocating some life out of your relationship with God. Amen. Dear God, help me here tonight. I feel like challenging a spirit that's in this place that would like to cause some people to get careless in their relationship with God. I don't care. You hear me? I don't care who has sinned. I don't care who has let you down. Dear God, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you right now, you're looking at a preacher that's had some of his very best friends to commit adultery and walk out on God and leave the ministry. But I'm going to tell you, friend, I refuse to let any bitterness about that situation ride on my boat. I'm coming back to preach again. I'm coming back to worship again. I'm coming back to magnify God again. You're not going to stop my praise. You're not going to stop my love for God. Oh, hallelujah. 
You know I never make reference to that. But I'm doing it tonight because I want you to understand. Hallelujah. That you can go through some horrible experiences. And in the middle of that horrible experience, if you're not careful because of what you know, you can start letting some things ride on your boat that you think is okay to, to just go ahead and let them ride for a while. But I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll send you in a storm. It'll send you into a place uh, where you're going to have to start digging. The aim and the danger is uh, that you start throwing out the wrong things. You want to let Jonah ride, but you want to throw everything else that's going to sustain you out. Nehemiah, I don't know why I feel such a force in this tonight. Nehemiah had left for a period of time and came back after rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And the word of God said that there was, listen, in the house of God, in the house of God, Tobiah, which was one of the arch enemies of Nehemiah, an arch enemy of the rebuilding of the walls. His, I think it was his father-in-law who was supposed to be with Nehemiah, had let him in the house of the Lord. He brought all of his furniture with him. And he set it up in the very room where the provisions were supposed to be kept for the priesthood. He set it up in the very room for those things that would provide sustenance and strength for those who labored in that place. That's where he set his house up. Let me tell you something. The devil always wants to put his furniture where your worship's supposed to go. Where your prayers are supposed to go. Where your love for God is supposed to go. My God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil always wants to put his garbage, his furniture. He wants to set his room where the Lord belongs. Where the joy of the Lord is supposed to live. Where the love of God is supposed to live. Those things that sustain us. Those things that help us to live for God. That's where the devil wants to put his house. Amen. And the Bible said Nehemiah came in and he saw that. He got upset. Amen. Hallelujah. I said he got upset. You know what he did? He started grabbing some stuff. He said, don't belong here. This ain't going to happen around here. I'm going to tell you right now. I throw that glass, but it'd break. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. I'm going to tell you right now. I need some stuff. I need some stuff. Nehemiah said, you ain't staying here. You getting out of here, boy. And the Bible said that he threw Tobiah stuff out in the street. He made up his mind. You're not staying in this house. I'm not going to let you live in this place. You don't belong in the house of God. This is, oh God, hallelujah. This is where the offerings of God go. This is where the provisions go. This is where the thing that sustains us is supposed to go. (laughs) Come on now. I'm trying to help somebody in this house. Don't let Jonah ride. He 
He's running from the word of God. Don't let Jonah ride. He's running from the presence of God. Don't let Jonah ride just because he pays the fare. Come on now. Come on, church. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout, praise the Lord. Somebody shout, praise the Lord. Yeah, but you don't know what I know about some folks. I don't want to know what you know about some folks. I said, I don't want to, because I don't want to ride on my boat. I don't want to lay it in my bed with me. It might cause me to go to sleep and overlay that which is precious in my heart. Come on, church. Hallelujah. There are some people that use the absolute flimsy excuse. Amen. But you know, you don't understand. I was disappointed by a preacher. I was disappointed by a man of God. I had great confidence and he let me down. Well, friend, that is a great disappointment. I've been let down by the ministry. But I'll tell you something else. Preachers have been let down thousands of times more by saints that were not living right and backslid and walked out on God than a preacher ever let the church down. Oh, hallelujah. Forgive me tonight. I said, forgive me. But I've come to tell you something. I made my mind up. Though 10,000 fall at my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. Come on now. I've been lied on. I've been talked about. There's been all kinds of stuff that's been done. But I still love the Lord. I said, I still love the Lord. It hasn't took my shout. It hasn't took my dance. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get too careless about what you let in your spirit. Nehemiah said, Throw them out. Throw them out. I'm not sure if it's there or not, but I think it might be where he took him by the hair of the head and threw him out. He did not care what pain. I know it would be. It'd be hard to throw some of them out by the hair of their head. Hallelujah. Amen. But he didn't care what pain he inflicted upon Tobiah. Well, I just want to be careful. I don't want to. I don't want to offend nobody. He's the Lord. You know, I was riding down the road one time with a man who began to tell me some things 
Not about a preacher, but another man that was in another church. I'm thinking, I don't want to hear this. Why do I want to hear that? That doesn't have anything to do with me. I got enough stuff riding. I don't need that to ride. Somebody needs to help me here tonight. Hallelujah. You know, it starts so innocently. Have you heard? Huh? I said it starts so innocently. Have you heard? I'm not sure if I want to hear. Oh, glory to God. What are you preaching this for tonight? Because I'm, 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 I'm getting ready right now to get to the next part of this. The second half. Second half. I've been in the first half for 50 minutes. Second half. Hallelujah to God. Woo. 45 minutes anyway. I'm telling you, you can't be too careful about what you let ride on your boat. You can't be too careful about what you let ride in your spirit. You can't be too careful about what you've got living in your house. There might be some stuff taking up room in your heart that the Holy Ghost would like to take up. That the love of God would like to take up. You might, you might have some clutter in your house and in your life and your spirit and your heart that just might be a place that the Holy Ghost is trying to move in. Jesus walked in the house. And when he walked in the house, the Bible said he looked round about on all things. And he went back home. You know why he went back home? Because he didn't have a whip with him. That's why he went back home. And that night he started braiding a whip. Because he had something in mind. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Oh, hallelujah. My house shall be called a house of prayer. That bunch has made it a den of thieves, and thieves don't live in my house. And when he went back the next day, my friend, he started cleaning house. He didn't care whose feelings he hurt. He didn't care whose profit was lost. He didn't care whose animals got run out. He didn't care what anybody thought. It did not matter to him. The only thing he was concerned about was having a clean house. That's all he was concerned about. Sometimes we get the idea, well, I want to be real careful how I respond to this because I don't want to offend this individual. Forget offending anybody if you want a clean house. Because sometimes friend, the only way you're going to get it is to stand up for what's right regardless of what anybody says or if they never call you on the phone again. So what? But if you're not careful when old slewfoot salesman comes to the door and he knocks and you look at all of his display and you think, ah, I'm sorry, I don't really want, but you haven't seen this. And so, well, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll just take that one little thing right there. But well, he knows you've got an open door. He'll be back tomorrow. 
And he'll be back next week. And he'll load your boat down with so much stuff. It won't be long. You'll have so much stuff in bed with you that you'll be so careless about your life. You'll be careless about the things that are precious and dear to you until you'll suffocate everything there is that you've got in God. Hear me tonight, church. I am preaching to you that there has got to be a spirit inside of us that rises up. There's got to be something inside of us that says, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to live for God. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to have revival in my own soul. It doesn't matter what it takes. I'm going to preserve what God has done for me. And so just for a few minutes, let me take you to the end of the story. They argued back and forth. The woman who suffocated her child said, that's my child that's living and the dead child belongs to her. And the one that had the living child says, no, the living child belongs to me and the dead one belongs to her, the careless woman. Finally, Solomon said, there's only one way to solve this. He said, bring me a sword. They didn't have to go looking for one. They were in the king's room and there were swords already there. Bring me a sword. He said, take that sword and divide the child in half. We'll settle this issue. He said, give half to that mother and give the other half to that mother. And the Bible said, the mother, whose living baby it was, it was her baby. Her bowels yearned. In other words, her heart Her very innermost being yearned. Oh, God. No. Don't kill the baby. Don't kill the baby. Hallelujah. Don't do that. And they raised that sword. And she screamed. No! Don't kill it. Let it live. And the woman whose baby was dead said, ah, don't worry about it, just divide it. You know why she could say that so flippantly? Because she had no family connection to that baby. There was nothing in her that was in that baby that was no part of her life. And she was a careless woman. She could care less. Praise the Lord. But the mother, that it was her baby, trembling with fear and of being afraid. No, that's my baby. Don't kill it. Let it live. Give it to her. I'd rather that she have and the baby live than to have the baby die. That's right. Let me tell you something. There's a sword. That's been raised in our world today to kill some things that are precious to us. You know, I would shudder tonight. Let me just give you a scenario. Just give me, let me give you a scenario. I would shudder tonight. If I went to this pulpit and I said, well, folks, I've made a decision that um, preaching standards is wrong. It's not really accomplished anything. All these guidelines and standards. So don't worry about it. Go out and buy you a big screen if you want it. Go out and get your makeup, 
jewelry, whatever you want to do. Shudder to think how many would say, well, thank the Lord. Well, boom, let's go. Did you hear the preacher? You know what I would hope? I would hope that everybody in this house would rise on their feet and scream, No! Let it live! Don't let it die! Don't kill that baby! Let that baby live! Let me tell you who would do that. The real mama would do it. The mama that really loves her God. The mama that loves her truth. The mama that loves the revelation. There's a sword being raised against our standards. The question is, will we let it live or will we let it die? Come on, come on, church. There's a sword that's being raised against revival, against restoration, against renewal. Can't let the desire for revival die. We can't let the hunger for revival die. We can't let the hunger for souls die. Somebody needs to let it live tonight. Somebody needs to say, tonight, I'm going to be more careful than I've ever been. Tonight, I'm going to be I've ever been. I don't know what you want to do about it tonight, but I feel like screaming, let it live. Let it live. Let it live in me. Anybody want to scream out and pray, let it live in me. Let it live in me. I'm not going to suffocate my walk with God. I'm not going to suffocate my worship. I'm not going to suffocate my prayer life. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Let it live. Let it live. Let it live. Let it live.